And then at some point, we began to position ourselves, the White Hats in any way, to position themselves that at one point there would be this moment where every system that the what that they that the regressives had would be vulnerable with one specific chess move. One strategic move would take down everything that they that they had done. And they were planning for this moment. And Michael, we're living in that moment. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. It's my great pleasure to introduce uh, my good friend, Alex Collier, who has been working in the exopolitics field for 30 years. He began in 1991 sharing his experiences with the and, and really was the first break ground on so many issues concerning extraterrestrial life, both positive and negatives, uh, what they've been doing on the planet. So it really is with great pleasure I introduce and welcome Alex to exopolitics today. Well, thank you, Michael. It's an honor and a privilege for me to be speaking to you, the legend. And um, I'm, I'm so grateful that you, you know, we've known each other for, for many years. And <laughs> I'm amazed we've never done one of these one-on-one. I, I just, uh, that totally got away from me. Yeah. Yeah, we've done conferences together. We've done, uh, we've been on the road together. We never actually did a, a interview together. So uh, it really has been a long time. And, you know, it really is quite an achievement to be 30 years in this field and to still have enthusiasm uh, for what is happening. So, so what's your secret? What, what, how do you kind of keep that enthusiasm or interest in just keep at it, keeping at it, and keep sharing what you know, what the Andromedans have been telling you about what's happening today? Well, I mean, there have been a lot of times I wanted to walk away. That's not a secret. And I think, I, I think it was just, you know, having, have, having, been with another race and, and been in their presence and then to look back at us and to have them point out to me the potential of all of our humanity and and how we have been blocked and sabotaged and manipulated all along the way to keep us in this little box so that this group this mixed group of beings could uh, control us and manipulate us. And as I began to learn about our genetic history, um, you know, Michael, there was just a point where I was just like, you know, these SOBs can't win. We just can't allow them to win. And, you know, I, I did some lectures starting out on VHSs. And I mean, it's been an extraordinary journey, frankly you know, peaks and valleys. And I think, uh, 
I think what really helped me was I stopped reading what other people thought in the comments. And then I just stopped re-watching my lectures. So when I adapted the one and done, what that did was I just let it go. And then I just moved on. And because um, I was made to promise not to turn this into a business, there was a part of me that was free to remain detached. Not, a, not necessarily emotionally because, you know, I'm a member of humanity. I, I have a vested interest in this. I'm a parent. I have a vested interest in this. But it wasn't about selling products, T-shirts, hats, coffee cups. It wasn't about any of that. It was just about my job was just to share the information. And once I shared it, I could move on. And I would do that year after year after year and, and not even think about it. Um, and, you know, I just I found it interesting that about four years ago, all of the information that I had been sharing suddenly be, was becoming relevant. And it was only then that I realized that we were way ahead of our time with the information and the things we were sharing. And, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, I was ready to, to just say, I'm done. You know, I'm just done. No mas, no more. And then, um, you know, uh, some people suggested I do a webinar. And uh, I had no idea if it would work. No idea at all. And I didn't even know if the information would be relevant because, you know, I wasn't following it. I wasn't tracking anything. And, you know, here we are. And, and now it's, it's like I, I, I feel like the information's fully in the game. Everything that's going on around us, the deep state, the regressive aliens, the underground bases, the moon and Mars, all of that has now come into play. Uh, the Anunnaki, all the things that we've talked about over the years, or I've talked about over the years, it's now suddenly all in play. And, and it's amazing and it's, and it's gratifying to, um, you know, after all this time, begin to see things being validated. Because, you know, and I'm sure you've had these in your most quiet moments. You're like, you know, what am I doing here? You know, where am I actually going with this? Is humanity even ready to hear this? Um, and I think enough people are that it's triggered. It's triggered the awakening. And when you see that the universe is now with its actions, supporting the awakening, supporting the evolution of humanity and, and maybe in shifts in frequency and dimensions. Yeah, that, that gets me really excited. When, when God is directly involved and you can see it, yeah, I get really excited about that. Um, well, because we're so much more than we've been led to believe. You know, me as well as everyone, we're all so much more. And, um, you know, we deserve to know about all that. Well, I know you've done an incredible amount of work over the years to educate people on many of those topics that you, um, that you mentioned. 
but one of the things that I, I remember early on was, uh, you know, you referring to humanity as genetic royalty, you know, because a lot of people were talking about humanity as being exploited and uh, created by different ET races as slave workers and so forth. But yeah, your perspective from the uh, Andromedans was that, uh, no, no, we, we actually are genetic royalty, that somehow this hodgepodge of different ET races, and you were the first to talk about 22 different ET races making up our genetic uh, background, our history, yeah. that, that, that actually gives us some unique abilities to manifest a higher consciousness that you talked about as the patal. So, you know, well, why is that relevant today? Well, that's a great question. Thank you. The 22 different races have themselves remarkable histories and stories to tell. And because of the different, different frequencies and, and um, genetic background, this allowed higher dimensional uh, spirits, souls, to actually come in and incarnate into our physicality. Now, it has always been that there was this rule, you, you could not intervene unless directly asked. Well, by keeping us blind, deaf, and stupid, we didn't know to ask. We would ask creator, but you know, many of our concepts about what God actually is and, and what it represents, they've been altered as well. So we didn't have a clear perspective about pretty much anything. But the fact that we were this vast genetic pool, this allowed spiritual soul beings, soul groups from fourth dimension, fifth dimension, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh to actually fall down into time and, re and, and incarnate into human physicality because of, of, of the genetics, all the different genetics. This allowed them to come in and function and to, to the degree where the souls could attach to the nervous system in our bodies. This has literally, it will be shown in the future when our junk DNA gets turned on which is where all of our cellular memories are stored, including our history, the history of the soul, all of that is stored in our junk DNA. When those get turned on, what we're gonna realize is that we are a race of avatars. <laughs> we're a race of avatars. We, we cover we have the knowledge, we have the experience of virtually all of our universal experience on all the dimensions. And one of the things that just came out or a couple years back in Switzerland is this uh, program called the Blue Brain Project, where they were able to combine several different pieces of technology and what they have been able to do is, is, I mean, truly map the brain. And one of the things that they discovered, Michael, was that 
um, out of all the people that they were able to, to test this on, this technology, every single one of us had multidimensional structures in our brain going from, from fourth all the way to 11th. And what's amazing is that these multidimensional, multi, these structures were on, they were turned on. They could see activity, which means that whether we're aware of it or not, our experience is being communicated to other soul groups in other dimensions. So we're live. Everybody's watching this, this movement. And as insignificant as this might seem to those of us here or those who are not awake, what happens here greatly affects not only fourth and fifth dimension, Michael, but it affects the entire universe. The entire universe. And we are square in the middle of it, which is why, uh, and you, you probably remember this expression that the ACE said that many of us had to come back in time to right a terrible wrong. That's because in, at, at some point in the past, we tried to make this jump and we weren't able to do it. And the only piece to that um, not happening is because they weren't able to merge the two timelines, the last two timelines. They weren't able to merge them. So it, it didn't click. It didn't happen. So they, whatever they did, they now came back many of us have agreed to come back and now we're on a single timeline and that single timeline is taking us to where we need to be. And uh, one of the proofs of that is the fact that most people, or as for everyone that I know of anyway, they are no longer having deja vus. And the reason we were having deja vus is because we were jumping, our consciousness was jumping from two different timelines. So we might relive something here and then it would happen here and we'd have the deja vu. Well, no one's having deja vu anymore. Okay. Because we're on a single timeline, everything on this timeline, we are creating here and now uh, from this moment on forward for the first time. And we're also getting all of this assistance from the universe, from many different extraterrestrial races, benevolent races, and um, the regressives, they are running and ducking for cover, but there's nowhere for them to go. They simply cannot escape the fact that the universe is raising its entire frequency. Uh, fifth will move to six, sixth will move to seven, seventh will move to eight. We're gonna go from four, we're gonna go from three. Well, we're almost, we're actually part of, many of us consciously are already in fourth, going to fourth and then to fifth. And in fact, the earth herself has a placeholder there waiting for her to make the jump. I don't have a timeline and I wouldn't trust the A's with their timeline because, you know, they don't know how to tell time in our, in our reality. They're really good about the facts, but they, they just can't tell time. And most of the other races have a difficult time with it because this is not a timeline. This is event-based um, reality that we're creating. 
So it happens when it happens. So this single timeline that we're on now, I mean, that di- that's very different to, and I'm assuming you're talking about Atlantis, that Atlantis couldn't work it out, that they had the two timelines and at the end the whole thing fell apart. And it, many it of imploded us on top of each other. Okay. The timelines imploded on top of each other. All right, and many of us are kind of like the returning Atlanteans or starseeds that are here this time around to help it, to help the, 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 the transition from 3D to 4D and so forth move forward smoothly. So, so what, what do you think is, is happening right now that, that has made this single timeline possible? Uh, you talk about the defeat of the regressives, um, the deep state falling apart, and, and I guess we're still in the middle of it. I mean, we are watching in many places all these things that are being done to people and you know, we want to avoid the, the buzzwords here, but you know, clearly people are struggling against uh, you know, the mandatory things that, that you know, the governments want to put into them. And so that's kind of looking like more and more like it's going to become a revolution. And there's been a few predictions saying that uh, we are going to be experiencing a global revolution by 2024. So is this what, you, what you're seeing, this single timeline that we're kind of like moving towards something incredible as a result of all of the darkness that is playing out, but it's not, it's not going to win? Uh, technically, they've already lost. We're, we're, just, we're, we're just literally playing out um, all the agendas that they had put into motion. And as these agendas become uncovered of what their true intent was and everybody sees it for what it really was, it falls away. It just goes away because no one is using their consciousness or intention or emotion feeding any more of that agenda. We're like, no, we don't, we're not doing this. And it goes away. Okay. So you see, that's one of the tricks that they used against us. They realized that on an energetic level, and a consciousness level, we're creators. We are big time creators. And if we focus on something, that's where the energy goes. And all they had to do was to keep us focused on an agenda. And even though we didn't realize what it was, as long as we believed it was true, it would take us there. We would, we would create it and manifest it physically and all they had to do was sit there and wait for it to physically manifest and then take control of it. And then they would control us with those agendas. So as we start to wake up and we begin to see what these agendas were all about and the true intent, which was to control and manipulate humanity, and we withdraw our energy and our consciousness, our focus on it, it'll collapse all by itself because we're no longer feeding it. Now what's happening is that we're turning our focus away from all of that. And for the, really the first time, we're thinking about creating a reality that we want, something that's genuine, something that's fully integrated with not only the God presence, but with the rest of the universe and the galaxy. And, you know, on an intuitive level, we know these answers because, Michael, there's not a single soul on this planet that was born and hatched here. We've all come from some other place. We all have cellular memory of other existences and other realities. 
So we know, and as the Schumann residents and other frequencies, you know, uh, hit our DNA and our DNA expands its frequency range, at some point, it's going to reach a point, a peak, where in order to hold the light, our DNA is going to start flipping switches, which means we're going to turn on a third strand, a fourth strand, a fifth strand. And when that happens, we now have direct access to what they call junk DNA. And all that knowledge, all those memories, all these abilities that we had before we fell into time here on earth will come back to us. I personally think that's going to start happening before 2024. Uh, and the reason I say that is that there are people who have had near-death experiences that have been dead several hours, but when they come back, Michael, they come back with a third strand of DNA, some with a fourth. There's a guy in Australia who has six strands. When, they were, when he woke up in the morgue, he had six strands turned on. So this is happening. There's no way this is not happening. So it's an amazing time for humanity. We just have got to stop fighting with each other and understand that we literally are a family, that every single one of us, regardless of where we are consciously, we all have a role to play here in this leap of humanity from last to first. Um, and, and the reason I say first is because of the different soul groups that are here and the level of consciousness and awareness they came in with. All of that is going to become part of our human Terran genome. All future generations are gonna have this in their DNA. They're gonna have not only the experiences that we as souls have when we came in, but through this process of awakening and turning on our DNA to at some point 12 strands, all future generations are going to have this knowledge. Mm -hmm. That separates us. That separates us. You know, it's not to say we're any better. It's just that we're very different in that, excuse me, in that we're going to have the cellular memory, the awareness of not just one dimension, but all of the dimensions. So, <laughs> so in essence, so in essence, we all become Patal. That's the amazing thing here that, uh, you know, what we're in the midst of here as, as a planet, as a civilization, is that all of these forces that are playing out are awakening people very, very rapidly. Yeah. And, you know, we've never seen so many people just say the power word, which is just no. So many people now are saying no. No to what the different policies they're trying to push onto people. Yeah. And, yeah. and people are waking up and they're saying no. And, and that, more than anything, really destroys the dark agenda because their secret has always been to, one, you know, first say what they're going to do and then do it but in a way that people just don't realise that it's being done to them. Well, now, you know, they announce what they're going to do, and now all of a sudden everyone is screaming, saying, look what they're doing, look what they're doing, say no. And people are saying no. And I think this is, this is the remarkable thing, that there's the awakening. 
but you know the question I have for you is what role has the Andromedans played in this kind of awakening because they seem to be a group that operate you know almost mysteriously they're not very overt they operate behind the scenes they kind of set things up so so what have they done to bring about this awakening okay well before i address that you know isn't it interesting that everybody is beginning to say no and you know anyone who's a parent typically the first word a child learns is no <laughs> because their parents are telling them, no, don't touch that. No, don't do that. No, leave that alone. Hot, no touch. You know, and uh, and here humanity is finally circling back. And we're like, you know, no, we're not, we're not putting up with this. So I, I think it's really interesting that the, that's usually the first word that a child learns is no. Um, as far as the A's, uh, you know they're they're they are they are involved in so many ways with with so many races, and you know they 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 almost act as if they're shy. It, it's like they don't necessarily want to be in the forefront. They would much prefer the Pleiadians or. Uh, uh, Cygnus Alpha, they would much prefer many of the other races be up front and that they, you know, kind of sit in the background and observe and mentor uh, other races and share the mentoring that they get from other higher dimensional realms as well. So what they do is they push forward that, that knowledge, not only to their own, but to other races. And I've talked about this in the past. It's called the law of consistency, where everything that they are and they know, they share with everyone so that everyone is exactly in the same place. Consciously, everybody is on the same page. No one's left behind. No information is withheld from other races unless they're specifically regressive and they know the information will be abused. Um, then there is literally no communication. Um, but, you know, what they do is uh, they, it's almost as if they do the logistical planning of strategies. And that, that seems to be a role that they're very, very comfortable with. And, and it's been a role that they've, they've had for quite some time, not only on, on fifth, but also on sixth and seventh, you know, the conscious uh, physical life forms on those dimensions, they do exactly the same thing, a very similar thing. So um, for example, the plan to capture the Orion group and uh, some of the reptilian ships that came from a mentor, an Andromedan mentoring, uh, group on sixth and the plan was that they what they did was they mapped out going back 1500 years uh all the places all the movements of the orion group and then what they did was they took those those years and they mapped out every single location 
And then what they decided to do was, okay, we're going to enlist third, fourth, fifth density um, space star nations. And what they did was they put someone at every single one of those locations, and there were over 50,000 very specific locations in our area of the galaxy. And what they did was they had people waiting there, past, present, and future. Okay, so they had people waiting in the past, in the present, and in the future. And then what they did was they did something to trigger a response so that the Orion group would move. And that's exactly what happened. They moved. And many of them were captured. Now, I know Elena, uh, Elena said that there were, they got at least nine. Uh, that number has gone up now significantly. It's just that we didn't know because the information and the intel is, is, is slow and being dispersed. But they got most of them. They got the ones that they wanted, especially those that are connected to the Orion AI network. They got those beings and they knew who they were. They had been tracking them for some time. So it's things like this where they will present the plan and then they will allow others to carry it out. You know, it, it, it's almost as if, look, you can have the glory, we just want the end result. That's all we're interested in. And that's pretty much how they've operated for quite some time. And it's just who they are. It's just who they are. And you know, and and I'm grateful. They're you know they're not looking to be. Uh, you know, the other star nations acknowledge their expertise. You know, but they're not looking to be on on the Tonight Show or or anything like that, and saying, "Hey, you know, we're we're so great." They really prefer to work in the background, quiet, methodically but just, you know, make sure things get done. And, you know, we have to remember that the reason they came back to Earth is because in the future, tyranny shows up in fifth density. And they, they triggered and they mapped all that out and they, and they came from our solar system. So once they were able to, to map that out, it was very easy to go to the other races and say, look, in the future, this is going to affect all of us. But if we can do this strategy now, it ends here and the galaxy will remain free for hundreds of thousands of years without incident. And everybody was on board with that. And why wouldn't they be, you know? So that's a very important point right there that you said that the Andromedans detected was, uh, I think, 350 years into the future that there would be this... Uh, tyranny, this galactic-wide tyranny, and so they advised the other star nations and got them to come up with um, intervention strategies to deal with uh, these different intervention points that you identified, you know, all of yeah. those thousands of intervention points in the past, present, and future to kind of like flush out the greys, flush out the Orions, the the reptilians, and, and to just like undermine their agenda for this uh, future galactic tyranny so that you know so one of these examples of that was this uh i guess what you're saying this the capture that elena talked about 
uh, the capture of those nine grey or those Orion leaders, the same leaders that were involved in the meetings with President Eisenhower that, that led to the agreements with the Majestic 12 group, that that, 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 that that same group were captured in stasis chambers and now being, uh, well, I don't know if interrogation is the right word, uh, but, but certainly they're being uh, studied and, and whatever higher consciousness that they are a part of is being investigated or hacked into. So, yeah, so... In that particular point, you know, the, the the Orions, I mean, the operation of a hive consciousness that they are part of, I mean, is that something that is hackable? I mean, that was something Elena was saying the Galactic Federation is doing. So is, is that is that hackable? Yes. Yes, it is. But you need their genome in order to do it. The, there, there were 19 total that have specific access to that. And I'm not at liberty to say how many they have captured. Uh, I know it's, it's in the hundreds. But the specific ones that, whose genome they needed in order to get into that Orion AI system that creates this hive mentality, this this enslavement, this conscious enslavement. There are techniques, and I'm and and I'm, my understanding is is that there are beings on the sixth density that know exactly how to do this, and either they're going to directly be involved and do it themselves, or they're going to teach specific races in fifth how to do this with their oversight. Essentially what they do is they use their consciousness to go into this network where they can give it a virus, for lack of a better word, and literally cause it to implode and erase itself. And then it's gone forever. And once that's gone, it also frees most of the Orion system from the same enslavement. Many of them are acting on direct impulse. They're not consciously making the decisions themselves. They think they are, but they're not. So this would shut this down. And for all intents and purposes, it would wake up and raise the conscious, consciousness of the Orion system so that it could participate in the same conscious um, shift that the rest of the galaxy is experiencing. So they have a very, very specific strategy on how to do this. And, um, you know, the guys, the guys on 6th, 7th, and 8th, and ninth. I mean, they're, they're really, they're sharp. These entities are really sharp. They really, really get it. They truly understand the holograph more than we, we could even comprehend at this moment. And then, you know, that's what the universe is. It's a hologram. So they, they obviously get it and they understand it. You know, it could be that, and actually Morinay suggested this, it could very well be that before those who were Patal on the 11th decided to come to Earth and incarnate here, that they left instructions 
of what to do in the event of they in fact got trapped here themselves. He has suggested that. So that means that the A's are talking about that. And you know, what's interesting, and, and I've shared this with you just the other day, everybody is checking each other's work. The A's are checking the Pleiadians. The Pleiadians are, are working with Cygnus Alpha, um, uh, checking their work. Um, uh, the Cirrus A, uh, someone's checking their work. Everybody is checking each other's work. So no one is actually working fully independent. Everybody is working together in a very coordinated effort to make sure that at the very end of this operation, the result we all want comes to pass. It manifests physically, spiritually, on all the dimensional levels. It's, it's extraordinary. I mean, you know, people don't realize how much really goes into this. And I think they're going to be very blown away at some point in the future when they realize everything that went into freeing our tiny little planet. You know, it isn't insignificant at all. It plays a very, very major role uh, in the future history and the future of our galaxy because of the soul groups that are here the knowledge and the wisdom of the soul groups that chose to incarnate to help make this happen. And I don't know how to explain it any simpler than that. I, I realize that, that it's complicated and, you know, it's like, you know, it's thinking that's way over here out of the box. I get that. But, you know, just imagine, you know, you meet someone for the first time and you know, you know them. You know, you, you, after 15 minutes, you feel like you've known them your whole life. Well, that's a member of your soul group. You know, that's not an accident. So, or you'll dream about somebody that you meet and several years down the road, you do meet them, you know, and, and you form this bond, this friendship. Sometimes you even marry. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's all very... There are no accidents. Everything somehow, some way is connected. It's just that we don't always know how to put the pieces together because of our, our limited view of how things work. But those are all things that future generations, our children's children's children will know. You know, but right now, our role here on earth, those of us who are that that listen to you and follow your great work and Elena Danan and Laura Eisenhower. And so many of the other folks that are out there, ladies and gentlemen, we are forefathers and foremothers of a new humanity, of an awakening humanity. That is our role at this moment. And our role is to do everything we can to not only support this movement, but to do everything we can to make sure that everyone, all the generations behind us get the information, get the education, and that the things that need to be recorded are recorded so that for future generations, they understand what happened here and why it needed to happen. So it's Alex, just, I wanted to- Extraordinary, it's just extraordinary. So I wanted to get your advice on, or your opinion on the 
information that we've been getting from Elena and others that uh, the moon and Mars and other planetoids have been liberated from the regressive extraterrestrials, the Orions, the Draconians, that they, that they were liberated and that, that the Earth is now going through a similar liberation process. So, you know, what information do you have? Because there has been some controversy over whether or not, you know, Mars and the Moon have been liberated. Yeah, and I know where that controversy is coming from. Um, and it's my understanding that um, that particular source is no longer having contact or having information, getting information. Uh, but let me just say this. They were, there were specific groups that were allowed to leave Earth, escape Earth, so they thought that they were going to escape and they were going to go to Mars and be okay and regroup there. That was all allowed to, to happen intentionally so that they would leave and no longer harm humanity. So the idea was, okay, let's let them leave and we'll capture them there. We'll let them think that they're getting out of here. That was all done intentionally so that they could get away and they would stop harming humanity, stop doing what they were doing to the children underground. They were being given an out, so they thought. Well, they walked right into a trap. So yes, our solar system has been liberated and it isn't just those planets. There's many moons. Those our solar system has been liberated. And no one is getting out of here that's done the things that they've done to humanity and other star nations as well. Um, no one's getting away. No one's walking scot-free. Everyone is going to be held accountable and they are being held accountable. Um, there's one ship that's uh, hiding inside of a very large uh, ocean, underground ocean on Triton that um, has a Ryan group and it also has a, a, a I believe it's 80 something sea car on it. Um, they hid there hoping that at some point they would be able to move somewhere else. They're not going anywhere, so um, they're stuck. They're basically Sorry, Alex, trapped inside is, their ship. They're not going anywhere. Is that uh, Titan, the moon of Saturn, or Triton, the moon of I think Uranus or Uranus? Uh, Uranus. No, it's Neptune. It's Neptune. Ne Neptune. Okay. Yeah, it's Neptune. Um, that's where it is. They jumped there, but everybody, but but the, those on sixth density knew already. They, they already had positioned um, people there so that when they did, if they did pop in there, all they had to do was physically manifest, come out of the dimensional space and say, okay, you're done. You, you know, you're caught. And that's exactly what they did. So, so our, our entire solar system has been liberated. There is no more riffraff here. And uh, spaceships, motherships, you know, they are now free to pass Earth without having to close their windows and lock the doors. 
Honey, get the kids in the car. Quick, roll right. the windows, lock the doors. We're passing Earth. They don't have to do that now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I always I always remember that incident you described when you were on the uh, Andromedan mothership and, and some some of the Andromedan kids came by and uh, they kind of like were very frightened of you because uh, Earth, Earth had such a terrible reputation. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. Uh, a perpetual war zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perpetual war zone. So. So what's uh, happening on, on Ganymede? Because uh, Elena has said that she's gone to Ganymede, I think, twice now. The first time she met with the Intergalactic uh, Confederation and, and the second time she met with the Council of Nine, if I'm correct, if there were two visits. Um, so do you know, what do you know of those two groups, the Inter Intergalactic Confederation and the Council of Nine? What do you know of them? I don't know that much. She's really the authority on that. Um, the Ganymede has always been a meeting place. Uh, the surface and the interior of the, of, of the moon, technically it's a planet, uh, were designed for such meetings and to be a um, essentially a, a galactic embassy, okay, where all people of all races could go. On the surface, they have these incredible structures that almost look like uh, huge dinosaur rib cages. But I mean, they're absolutely massive. And the ships would come in and land on the surface and they would move into these structures. And then once they were in the structures, they could turn on their electromagnetic field on the outside of the ship and they could open up the craft and the crews could get out and walk on the surface of Ganymede within it. it you remember Richard Hoagland talking about Edens, mm -hmm. these dome structures that, you know, would tear up, they would terraform. And these are where people would live extraterrestrial races. And they would take, they would literally make these along the way so that they could work on a planet, explore it, um, mine it, whatever it was that they were going to do. Well, this is essentially the same thing, except uh, these structures exist there for the motherships, the starships, to create the field themselves. And they have them all over the surface. There's, there's a very large ocean on the inside, its core. And uh, there are other structures on the inside that are for specific, um, specific races that have to be hyperborean. They have to be indoors. They, they can't handle our particular sun's light in any way. So they would go inside the planet itself. Um, I have only been past Ganymede, which is why I know about the structures on the surface. I have not been there. You know, Elena's the expert on that at this particular point. Mm -hmm. But there is an awful lot going on there. Mm -hmm. I, I think at any one given time, there's 60 to 70 star nations present at all times. Mm -hmm. So it's busy. You know, I, 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 I wanted to get the parking concession there so I could, I could learn to, you know, fly all the different ships and, and learn to park them in the atmosphere. I, I, that would have been an awesome experience. Right. 
So Elena's talked a lot about uh, the Galactic Federation of Worlds and their relationship with the Andromeda Council, where the relationship is one of like the, and the council is more or less like uh, mentoring the Galactic Federation and advising them on, on, you know, certain things that need to be done. And so, you know, again, what do you know of the Galactic Federation and, and of some of Elena's contacts, like she's mentioned uh, beings like Thorhan, Anax, uh, uh, the Commander Ardana. What do you know? Do you know anything of any of these uh, beings? The A's, the A's, or more an A is only referred to in talking about groups. He refers to it as an alliance. Um, I know that the Federation is out there. Maybe it's it's a coalition of different star nations, but he's always referred to all of them as an alliance. Um, I do know that these are real beings. They do exist. And I also know that the work that they perform along with other star nations all of that work is being not only monitored, but also being checked that uh, other star nations have representatives on these boats, these ships, and they're monitoring everything that's being done and everyone is sharing communication so that everyone is on the exact same page. No one's rogue. No one's going to do something uh, because they think it's a good idea. Everything is checked. Everything is cleared. Everything is done in coordination with the entire focus on the end result, which is completely liberating. Uh, all, of the, um, the, all of the developing uh, civilizations in our galaxy and freeing us of not only the uh, Archon Orion AI system, but giving everyone here <clears throat> their free will back, returning their free will. And along with the returning comes an education as to true galactic history, who they are, why they're on that planet, who they are on a soul level. And, you know, th th there's a lot involved with that because most of these underdeveloped or evolving civilizations have been so manipulated and taken advantage of. And, and frankly, Michael, it never should have gotten this far, in my opinion. There should have been intervention a long time ago. Um, but, you know, now it's happening. Now it's here. And uh, I, I, I think, I think they need to revise their. And, and frankly, they're going to have these discussions. They're going to revise their idea of non-intervention. That they're going to reset protocols, because I think they realize, you know, we wouldn't have known this was happening until it affected us in other dimensional realms. So it never should have gotten that far, from what I understand. Because the Orion group and others were real shifty. They were really, really sly in the way they operated.
they operated between the spaces. So it would not draw real attention to it, to what they were doing. And that's just not going to happen again. That's not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they taught our CIA how to do stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they taught uh, the, the CIA and the Mossad a lot of dirty tricks. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, they've learned to work in the spaces in between to remain hidden and manipulate. So, yeah. They well, were working well, one, of the things, one of the things that I've been particularly interested in is, is the whole idea of a Star Trek future and that, uh, that there has been this kind of uh, realisation amongst leading Earth nations, or the Western Bloc in particular, to start working together. And I think there's many reasons for that, why they're choosing a Star Trek future. But, you know, what, what intrigues me is, is the idea that, you know, the, that Star Trek itself was something that was seeded in the past as, you know, not just uh, a, a cute idea that could be marketed for, for the film and television industry, but, in fact, that... Star Trek, as it was originally presented by Gene Roddenberry, was connected to this future that we're moving towards where we are going to be joining the Galactic Federation, working with groups like the Andromeda Council. So, you know, what, what do you know of that? Do you, you know, Gene Roddenberry and the Star Trek, is that all just kind of like creative fiction mm. or, or is this part of this kind of multi-pronged plan that the Andromeda Council hatched and, and has been working with different ET groups to, to manifest? Well, the, the, the Andromeda Council weren't the only ones. They worked with other groups. So they, they, they would not take sole credit for any of this. That's number one. Uh, number two, if you will go back to 54, uh, when the first meetings happened with Eisenhower at, Mur- at Murdoch Air Force Base, now known as Edwards, and he walked away and said, no, I'm not going to do this. And then MJ-12 literally forged his signature and created this, this, this nightmare. If you will recall, there were others who said that our military had been warned prior to this meeting not to do this. That there was another group that had approached our military first. And some of those were from the Pleiades. Well, I want you to look at the idea that that particular group never terminated um, its relationship with some of our military personnel. Now, all we hear about is um, the Orion group and the treaty and it being broken right away. You know, we hear, we hear the negative story. What we don't hear anything about is that there were military personnel there who knew this was an absolutely terrible idea. There was no way that this group was ever going to stay uh, with the treaty terms or conditions because they were thousands of years technologically more advanced than us. We had no way, no way to um, implement restrictions against them. So it was a trap. But there was a group in our military that wanted the technology. And what they got was their throwaway stuff. They got the Orion Group's trash. That's what we got. 
But, you know, that was four or 500 years more advanced than what we were using. But nonetheless, it was trash to them. But there were other members that were part of that group that moved away and continued to maintain a, a positive relationship with others. We don't hear about that. And we will, at some point in the future, hear about that, that other races were interacting uh, Val Thor from Venus and others. That was the positive piece. We hear about Val, but we don't hear about the other races that were also involved. So there was this, there was always this white hat element that clung to the ideas, okay, we have to figure out a way to undo this, or we're all screwed. And so that's been going on in the background the whole time. And there's been an exchange of information. There's been an exchange of knowledge. There's been an exchange of, uh, of strategic moves and ways to do things that would not draw attention to work in a positive, benevolent way in between the spaces so that you could hide what you were doing from the regressives, who their whole focus was, of course, control and domination. But, you know... They had, they had areas of their vision that they were blind as well. And those, those were used in order for the white hats to set up where we are today. Where we are today. So as, as soon as the Orion group implemented their plan, benevolence, also set up another plan, but they didn't overtly interact with, with anyone except very specific people that they knew and had a relationship with and trusted. So they were working as well with us, with our militaries, and then our militaries were talking to other militaries about ways to not only push back, but to limit the speed in which the Orion Group was rolling out their control and domination. Uh, in creating the matrix, literally entrapping all of us. So they had a way to slow it down. And then at some point, we began to position ourselves, the White Hats in any way, to position themselves that at one point, there would be this moment where every system that the, what, that they, that the regressives had would be vulnerable with one specific chess move. One strategic move would take down everything that they, that they had done. And they were planning for this moment. And Michael, we're living in that moment. Right now, we are living in that moment where everything that they built, the entire matrix is now collapsing because of a very specific strategic move that the White Hats, with the help of benevolence, were waiting for. And this way, there's no Third World War, Fourth World War. There isn't any of that. There isn't an intentional pole shift throwing an asteroid at the planet. There is no real, genuine biological attack on humanity. None of those things are happening uh, because of the ability of the White Hats to position themselves for this strategic moment. And we are now living in that moment. 
And those are things that have been discussed. We've had that conversation offline before. Mm -hmm. So we really are kind of like moving into this positive timeline that those that talk about we are that, that we're on it. That, we're on the, yeah. that those that talk about the negative timeline, you know, whether it's a pole shift, a solar flash event, some set of s catastrophic events that decimate humanity, that those those things are not going to happen because this positive timeline is something that is essentially we've all agreed at uh, at an unconscious level to move forward collectively in this way and that this is something that the Andromedans and the other positive uh, extraterrestrial groups have worked with the Earth Alliance, the positive military, to, to bring this moment about. And so we, we're just kind of watching it all unfold now. Yeah, it's exactly right. And while we're watching it unfold, we are going through shifts internally as well. Mm -hmm. And um, along with those shifts come the ability to see through the matrix, through the illusion that had been created uh, all around us as to who and what we really are. Um, you know, there are several people that are talking about saying that Nibiru has already passed through us and they make reference to a, a, a video, which I can send to you, that was taken in July of uh, 09 of uh, a series of, of planets orbiting our sun, and, and they're not any of ours. And But what's missing in that picture is, of course, the dwarf star. And the fact that they were all sitting around our sun, uh, you know, that's not how Nibiru comes through our system. It approaches underneath us through the south, and then what it does is it comes up on the other side of the sun, and then it moves through us and passes out of our solar system north of us, above us. So those planets would never be orbiting our sun, ever. So that's a mistake. Presently, um, Nibiru, that entire solar system, is sitting outside our solar system. It's parked. And they can do that. I mean, these are all, you know, the technology is just to control planets, to change their orbits, and do all of that. So it's sitting there. And it's not going to come through here and, and devastate humanity. None of that's going to happen. This is going to happen. This is absolutely going to happen. And, you know, we don't have to be afraid. What we have to do is embrace the change. And, you know, some people are afraid of change. But, you know, this is what it is. I mean, every day is not the same. Every day changes. Your life changes even in little minuscule ways, but it's never the same day after day after day. Something's always different. So that's where humanity has to do. We have to just, we have to realize that we're all in this together. We're all going to evolve together and move through this process together. And on the other end of this, you know, we're all going to be best friends. Humanity will become a family because we've just been through something absolutely extraordinary. And we're the ones that are doing it. You know, we're the ones who are doing it and have done it. So, so um, earlier I mentioned 2024 as 
you know, a possible date for a global revolution, but but you think it's going to happen a lot sooner than that? So it's happening you know, now. Okay, it's happening uh, now. You so, know, so in July of people... next year, sometime in the first three weeks of July next year, we we will get hit um, with the light from that supernova in Cygnus Alpha that exploded in the early 1600s. Okay, now the gamma rays have started to come. The gamma rays travel you know, twice the speed of light. So we're beginning to get those now, but the light itself will come through sometime in the first three weeks of 2022. And my understanding is, is that that band of light, as it moves through our solar system, um, we will not have a nighttime for three days. You know, not enough people are actually talking about that, in my opinion. So, you know, maybe that's, what everybody's referring to as uh, the flash of light that turns everybody on. I, I don't know, but I know that's coming. And, um, you know, that's July of next year is when that light passes through our solar system. So between now and July, um, I mean, because a lot of people are, are suffering, you know, in some know. very challenging circumstances. So they're, you know, they're looking forward towards something to hope for. So, you know, are we looking, say, July when things are really going to start opening up where all of a sudden it's clear that the deep state, the dark forces have been defeated and it's like, you know, we are now moving into some something really wonderful? Well, things are already turning. Things are already turning. We, we just don't see enough of it manifesting on the surface just yet. It's mm -hmm. still all behind the scenes. It's very strategic. You know, we're all, the humanity is sitting on the G, waiting on the O. And, um, you know, we're all ready. We're all ready for some change. And, um, I, I, Michael, it's coming. It's just I know it's hard to wait. You know, we're all trying to figure out how to pay our bills, how to buy groceries. Good Lord, the price of food. Um, you know, there's just so many things. If you have a foreign car and it breaks down, you don't know if you're going to get parts for it, you know, because none of them are coming from overseas anymore. So it, it's a real challenge for all of us. Well, but, you know, this is, where, this is where humanity has to step forward. And, you know, whenever there's a disaster somewhere, that tends to be where humanity is at its best. People come out of the woodwork to help each other. Well, this is one of those situations, except it's not a physical disaster. It's an emotional disaster. It's a spiritual disaster because, you know, these dark hats, you know, they put in motion this program to eliminate huge portions of, of the population on this planet. That was intentional. And that's all of us. You know, that ain't white, black, green, yellow. That's everybody. They didn't care. It was numbers. We want to take out all but 500 million. That's all of us. Well, guess what? We're all on the same team now. Okay? We are all on the same team. We all need to be on the same side at this point. There, You know, this, this, this nonsense, this racial nonsense it is absolute rubbish. You know, we have got to put all that programming aside and realize 
you know, we are one race, one family. That's just what it is. And you know what? That's how they see us out there. They don't look at us and say, he's an African-American, he's an Armenian, he's a Russian. They never look at us that way. They look at us and see humanity. That's what they see. We're the only ones who don't see it. It's yeah. so frustrating. You know, and that's why a lot of times I'm like, I'm up there and I'm like, guys, I'm good. I'll just go back with you. I don't need to come back. There's nothing here I need. And they're like, no, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? I'm good. I'm ready to go. You know, because, you know, when I'm with them, I see this shit really clear. And then you come back and it's just like, you know, you try to tell people and you're, and you're yelling into the wind because no one wants to hear it or they haven't wanted to hear it. Well, maybe this will be one of those uh, issues that helps unify humanity once they understand the big picture that there's this exopolitical element to our lives, all of these different races out there, some very benevolent, others very oppressive, and so many others that are just kind of watching and observing that uh, once people start to appreciate all of that is real, maybe they can jump out of that kind of like, you know, that, you know, the narcissism of, of minor differences that Carl Jung talked about and, and appreciate that, yeah, we are all one humanity. Well, I got I hope so. I mean, you know, when, when things continue to unfold the way they are, and at some point in the next two years, you know, 95% of the population's awake, you know, I would hope they would get it. Otherwise, you know, their IQ is, is that of a dinner plate. And I don't know what you do with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what do you do with that? So I don't know. I, I hope so. I mean, you know, all these resources from the galaxy are here to assist us. There's obviously a reason. There's obviously some value to us that they would expend all these resources to assist us. Well, we've been going for just over an hour, so I did want to kind of keep it to that. So where can people find out more about your webinars and, and if they wanted to ask you questions, where do they go? Uh, we do this little webinar. Um, we do two webinars and then a Q&A every month. You can go to alexcollier.org. And um, I occasionally do some, I do some sessions one-on-one uh, -on -one and they're always almost always Q&A where, you know, because we never get through all the questions. So some people are sometimes interested in, in just, you know, one-on-one -on -one rapid fire questions. So there's, you know, I've, I've tried to make myself more accessible. I haven't mm -hmm. been in the past and, you know, there was a very good reason for that. I was just tired of all the bullshit. So, and, well, and now all of us in this field know that. So we've all been there. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if, if you're interested, that's where it is. If not, there's many great people. Just, you know, follow Michael Sala. He's, he's the guy. He is the guy. And you're going to be so important. All these things that you do, Michael, are going to become historical documents. You need to know that. Well, 
Well, thank you, Alex. That's um, I know you know you've been doing this for thirty years, and you know I look in awe at the. I listen to your lectures from 1993, 1994 occasionally. I know you've been putting them out on your YouTube channel, and it's just like wow. Yeah, you were talking about all this stuff then, and uh, here we are. You know, as like as though it's as though it's new, but you're you're discussing it then. So I'm just in awe at what you know the information you were talking about since then, and that you've stayed in this field for 30 years. That's that's quite an amazing achievement. And uh, and now I, I really look forward to you know you being honoured for the work that you've done um, in awakening humanity. It's been awesome. And I think, uh, yeah, people are going to really appreciate uh, the body of work that you've put out. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I've been able to make a, a contribution to that. Oh, your contribution is more significant than you know. And, and what you do from this point on will be uh, absolutely remarkable. You, you know, thank you for those kind words. I, I really am not looking to be honored. Um, I just want, I want everybody to get it. So that I can I can step away and you know go live in a little cabin on a lake somewhere and 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 just learn how to relax again. <laughs> you know, I want to hear my own frequency. That's what I want. <laughs> well, well, anyway, Michael, thank you. It's been wonderful, and um, please give all my love to uh, Angelica. Okay, thank you, thank you. That that was Alex Collier, the legend. And so um, very glad to have him. And hopefully he'll be able to, hopefully he'll come back again. Aloha. Aloha. Take care. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Subscribe, like, and share. Stay informed and be aware. Visit exopoliticstoday.com.